Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim and every week I'm bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. It's the Halloween episode and we've got a real good one for you. We look back at the CITV classic, My Parents Are Aliens, and the iconic, the classic, The Monsters. And if that's not iconic enough for you, we're taking a special look at the Addams Family. Another iconic show, and I can't wait to talk about this show and all of the shows that we're going to be talking about today. So, let's get started. And uh, joining me as ever, it's producer Paul. Hey man, how's it going? Yeah, I'm alright, thanks. I know, I know the click wasn't great, but uh, it'll have to do. It was a bad click, it wasn't a bad click. I'm, ba- I'm back on the mic as well this week, so hopefully things should sound a little bit better. Yes, yeah, it, it, it's yeah, back, back to normal, back to normal. But you know what? It's crazy that we were talking about Eddie Murphy last week and not mention Party All The Time. That's like one of the most iconic songs ever. See, I, I, when you sent it to me, obviously I'd heard the song, right? It's, it's quite a yeah. big song, but I had no idea it was Eddie Murphy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's Eddie Murphy and, and Rick James. So uh, I don't know if Rick James wrote the song and then Eddie Murphy just performed it, but it, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was them two. In uh, in in the video together and yeah it was a uh, man it's such an iconic song that's that's like my song man it's 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 such a, a catchy catchy song and yeah yeah I just couldn't believe he bypassed that yeah I mean considering how in depth we were talking about it well not you know not in depth but in depth enough no you will in depth not talk about Eddie Murphy's projects as a whole. And then, and then, not to mention one of the more significant ones of 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 the nineteen eighties in particular. So you can't go anywhere without really listening, you know, talking about Eddie Murphy and not talk about party all the time. It's yeah, it's it's it's, it's such it's such a, a, a an iconic song. But no, honestly, this is you know what we've been doing these Halloween ones for like a couple of years now. All right, spoiler alert! I think this might be the best. Yeah, I, I mean, there were some like really, really good shows here. Right? I mean, uh, shows that I remember as well as a kid. All three of them I watched. So I, well, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about that later. But I didn't watch my old parents at Aliens, so this is gonna be, so this is gonna be my first really like I've heard of it. I know it. I've seen clips of it. It's because you were too busy watching like, the BBC. That's why. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a long switch to see BBC at this point. And uh, yeah, My Parents Are Aliens was one that uh, did bypass me. But yeah, we'll talk about that later. And I'll be talking about it through the new lens, just like international listeners. And yeah, we're, we're getting international listeners all the time. So uh, there you go. So yeah, we're going we're gonna to kick things off with the special. And that's the... Adam's family. I'm just gonna keep doing that every time I say Adam's family. I don't know why, but <laughs> there you go. And this show came out in September 1964, and incidentally, so did the Monsters. They came out at the same time. So when we go into the Monsters, we're just gonna jump right into the Monsters. September 1964 we should cover both. The Adams Family and the Monsters. So I'm only going to do this once. And uh, some of the things happen in the world. The African Development Bank, the AFDB, is founded. 
In Jacksonville, Florida, during a tour of the United States, John Lennon announces that the Beatles will not play to a segregated audience. In Athens, King Constantine II of Greece marries Princess Anne Marie of Denmark, who becomes Europe's youngest queen at age 18. The Seventh Dawn was in the cinemas. And Under the Boardwalk by the Drifters was in the charts. Right, so the Adams family. So this was a fictional household created by American cartoonist Charles Adams in 1938. The Adams family originally included and also used the names assigned to them for the TV series, Gomez and Morticia Adams, their children Wednesday and Pugsley, close family members, Uncle Festa and Grandmama, and their butler, Lurch. You rang. And Wednesday's pet octopus, Aristotle. The dimly seen thing, which was later a disembodied hand, was introduced in 1954. And Gomez's cousin, It, and Morticia's pet lion, Kitty Cat, in 1964. Puber Adams, Wednesday, and Pugsy's infant brother was introduced in Adam's Family Values. It is a satirical inversion of the ideal 20th century American family an odd, wealthy, aristocratic clan who delight in the macabre and are seemingly unaware or unconcerned that other people find them bizarre or frightening. They originally appeared as an unrelated group of 150 single-panel cartoons, about which half were originally published in The New Yorker between their debut in 1938 and Charles Adams' death in 1988. Although most of the humour derives from the fact that they share macabre interest, the Adamses are not evil. They are a close-knit extended family. Morticia is an exemplary mother and she and Gomez remain passionate towards each other. As established in the TV series, she calls him Bobale, to which he responds by kissing her arms, behaviour which Morticia can also provoke by speaking a few words in French. Their meanings are not important. Any words in French will do. The parents are supportive of their children, except in the 2019 film on Wednesday arrives home wearing a pink dress. The family is friendly and hospitable to visitors. In some cases, it is willing to donate large sums of money to causes, despite the visitors' horror at the Adams' peculiar lifestyle. The family has had a profound influence on American comics, cinema, and television, and it has also been seen as an inspiration for the goth subculture and its fashion. According to The Telegraph, the Adamses are one of the most iconic families in American history, up there with the Kennedys. Similarly, Time magazine has compared the relevance and cultural reach of the family with those of the Kennedys and the Roosevelts, so much a part of the American landscape that it's difficult to discuss the country's history without mentioning them. And for TV Guide, which listed the characters in the top 10 of the 60 greatest TV families of all time, the Adamses provided the design for cartoonish clans to come, like the Flintstones and the Simpsons. Owing to their popularity, the first feature-length adaptation has been identified as a cult film, while Adams Family Values was listed as one of the 50 best family films by The Guardian and nominated for the American Films Institute 100 Years, 100 Last at the turn of the century. Ricky's portrayal or i think it's christina ricky the actress her portrayal of wednesday 
in the film series was ranked as one of the most or one of the 100 greatest movie characters by Empire. And in 2011, AOL named Morticia as one of the most 100 most memorable female TV characters. They have since been adapted to other media, a live action TV series starring John Astin and Carolyn Jones, which we'll talk about. Also, it inspired the 1977 TV film and cameos from the cast in other TV shows, an unrelated animated series in 1973. And the franchise was revived in the 90s with a feature film consisting of The Adams Family and Adams Family Values. Both received nominations for Academy Awards, BAFTA Awards, and Hugo Awards. And for her role as Morticia, Angelica Huston was twice nominated for the Golden Globe Award for Best Actress, and Raul Julia as Gomez, Christina Ricci as Wednesday, Christopher Lloyd as Uncle Fester, and Joan Cusack as Fester's wife, Debbie Jelinski, in the sequel. And it received multiple Saturn Awards and American Comedy Award nominations for their portrayals. The films inspired a second animated series, which is set in the same fictional universe, but with Astin reprising his role as the voice of Gomez. And it was nominated for four Daytime Emmy Awards, including one for Astin following Julia's death, which was rebooted with a 1988 direct-to-video film starring Tim Curry and Daryl Hannah and a spin-off of the live TV live action TV series and a decade later a live musical adaptation featuring Nathan Lane and Bebe Newworth opened on Broadway and was nominated for two Tony Awards and eight Drama Desk Awards and the franchise has become a staple of popular culture. It has also spawned a video game series, academic books and soundtracks which are based around its Grammy nominated theme song so the shows that we'll be focusing on so of course the one that came out in 1964 the uh, the ABC TV network created the Adams Family television based on the Adams' cartoon characters it's an American macabre black comedy sitcom and the series was shot in black and white the show is also notable for its opening theme which was composed and sung by Dick Mizzy so iconic it's like you're it's like up there with like the very 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 if not the best but like very iconic and memorable and people of a certain age or people of a certain age group will know this theme song when they hear it absolutely yeah it's definitely one of the most memorable and in 1973 there was the animated sitcom adaptations of the the Adams family and it was produced by Hannah and Barbera and it was probably the most Hannah and Barbera thing you could ever watch in the entire world and Jackie Coogan and Ted Cassidy who played Uncle Fester and Lurch respectively from the 1960s television series returned in voiceover roles and this series depicts the Adamses on a cross-country road trip exploring the United States their Victorian style creepy camper that resembles their mansion. It was either that or probably go to space, knowing Hannah and Barbera. And then the one I probably remember the most was the 1992 TV series of the Adams Family, and this was a cartoon as well. And it was geared towards children, and much of the family's macabre nature was toned down. 
In order for the series to fit with other Saturday morning cartoons, plot lines were geared around the family living in the bright, cheerful town of Happydale Heights and facing some kind of threat from a series of recurring villains or individuals who either wanted to force the Adamses from their home or capture one of them, usually Uncle Fester for nefarious purposes. And then there was the new Adams Family, which was released in 1998. And the less said about that show, the better. Because, yeah, I, I mean, they did the show and they didn't even have the iconic theme song. It's like, why would you do the Adams Family and not have the iconic theme song? I mean, I guess you're you're welcome to it. But, yeah, that, 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 that version of the Adams Family was not particularly... Um, not particularly great, but honestly, yeah. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They're all together kooky. The Adams family. The house is a museum. When people come to see them, they really are a screaming. The Adams family. So put a witch's shawl on, a broomstick you can crawl on. We're going to play a call on the Adams family. And yeah, they are creepy and they are kooky, mysterious and spooky. They're all together. Uki, the Adams family. Let's talk about this iconic show. So I watched uh, a couple of these. Like um, I'm, I'm literally just figuring out now which one I've watched because you just like listed about hundred versions of it, and I was like, I don't I actually have no idea which one I watched. But um, the one I remember from when I was a kid was uh, Royal Julia, I think, as um, Gomez Adams. That's the one. And also, looking up, because as you've been doing it, I've been looking through all of the um, kind of different Gomez Adams's. And I think Tim Curry was one that I watched as a kid as well. Okay, so that was probably one of those made for TV movies from like the late 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, this is. I, I wasn't a massive fan of the Adams family as I was growing up, to be honest. I never watched any of the cartoons or anything like that. So. Um, but obviously everybody in the whole world knew what it was. Um, I remember them. I remember a movie when I was younger about them going to some kind of like camp and then one, um, the kid shoots a, um, bald eagle out the sky. Um, yeah, Pugsley. And he's like, Oh, I thought they were in, um, they were extinct. He was like, they are now. Um, (laughs) uh, but yeah, anyway, so I knew what it was. Um, the movie I liked definitely as a kid. Okay, so yeah, for me, like, growing up, I just remember the cartoon. So the one that came out in the 90s, that was the one that we used to always watch. That's my kind of, like, in with the Adams Family. Again, all this, like, macabre and creepy horror family stuff, it doesn't, it's not really my vibe. But honestly, when I was sitting back and watching, because I tried to watch, I tried to sample a lot of the Adams Family, I really liked it. I, I really like the, uh, the the 1960s version, the first original version, the 1964. I really liked it. I thought the laugh track was going to be off-putting, but it wasn't really. I did, it, in, in, in the end, I kind of got used to it. And, and some of it was genuinely funny. Like I was sitting there, like, <laughs> put that laugh track in there for me. And yeah, honestly, I mean, apart from the new Adams Family, this was like a, an absolutely brilliant franchise institution the characters were great very likable very on point they knew what they were doing again a show from this kind of like era is is pretty much undefeated i'm still waiting for for us to do a bad show from like the 
the 1960s or 70s or 80s, still kind of thinking we we have not done a bad one of these. Yeah, I quite like the the fam- like you said before about the family sentiments in it. I liked I I liked that it was you know weird family, but their 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 family kind of sentiments were still there. They were like you know they were loving, affectionate family, and they cared about each other. It wasn't like they were weird and just you know completely crazy. They still had that family element to it, and I really I really I thought that was a really successful successful part of that. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't weird for the sake of being weird. It was one of those where they, they, they kind of like, yeah, they had that family sentiment. They had all of that involved, and I like how they were laughing at everybody else. Like we're normal, but you're not. Yeah, yeah. Why are you yeah. running away from me? What's What's the matter with you? We're we're, we're totally, totally normal. And yeah, that was that was uh, something that I definitely enjoyed and like i said with the cartoon version it was probably the most hannah and barbera thing in the world that you could imagine i thought it did well to get uncle fester and lurch from the 60s show into their cartoon and the relationship was always kind of like similar in that in that sense and i think even like the old characters always kind of like stayed attached to it and they were always like a always a part of it they were always in it kind of thing like always part of the the story and yeah this was this was an absolutely successful franchise one that i liked a lot and yeah i mean there's 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 quite a lot of um stories to or or episodes to kind of go through so let's uh let's jump right into it and kind of talk about what we watched yeah so i think you'll be leading the way uh, in terms of episodes so i watched two i watched one of the you know the original pilot i think or at least episode one and then i went on to the new adams family like one of the last ones i could find yeah i mean you could do that and then i'll do the cartoons in the middle so series one episode one postman comes to the mailbox and kind of thing takes a pose he gets a bit freaked out of it so the truant officer turns up and said they've got two kids and they know Mr. Hilliard, yeah. They say, the postman says, well, good luck, kind of thing. So uh, Wednesday opens the door, she invites him in. Lots of strange kind of decorations. There's a swordfish with a leg hanging out of it, polar bear, rug which roars. Pugsley chopped off the head of the doll and it's Marie Antoinette and they're making it like a realistic thing. And then, so mum's in a conservatory, she's kind of tending to the flowers. Her name's Morticia. She sees talking to Mr. Hilliard and she says, you'll have to talk to my husband, he's in charge. Uh, Lurch comes, <laughs> kind of puts a hand on his shoulder. Like Lurch comes to uh, take Mr. Hilliard to Mr. Gomez, who's playing with trains, and then he blows up the trains. He goes, what's the point in playing trains with an adult if you can't blow them up or blow the bridges? Uh, so Grandmama is in charge of education, so she's playing darts with Uncle Fester. And Mr. Adams is not interested in a formal education, and he's quite satisfied with how they're learning around the house. So Uncle Fester and um, Grandmama are playing darts. They're throwing knives instead of darts, and hits the door. Mr. Hilliard kind of runs off. So back at the school, he's glad. Mr. Hilliard's glad he's got away. His advice is to leave the Adams kids alone. So Morticia's singing to her plant. She's making a bouquet of like dead flowers. Lurch playing music. Uh, then they hit him to kind of change the tempo of the music. Ghoul insists that the kids come, but Gomez doesn't want it. Morticia says they'll be there in the morning. At school in the office, Mr. Hillier comes in and sees them and runs away. After three, Gomez is kind of pacing backwards and forwards because he wants them back. Wednesday comes in crying. She's sad because a knight in shining armor killed the dragon. And then Morticia wants to see Mr. Hilliard, but he says no. Lurch comes in carrying Mr. Hilliard. Mama and Uncle Fester comes in with food, but he's scared of it. The Adamses is up, are upset because of the violence in the fairy tales, etc. 
um, like juvenile delinquents in Hansel and Gretel, killing of innocent dragons and such like, you know, just a kind of different way of thinking of it. Mr. Hilliard says, thinking like yours can save the world. And then the new school accept the good ideas and they get to go to school the next day. So obviously the cartoon won't come out in 1973. And the episode was called The Reluctant Astronaut's Trip to the Moon. So the Adams family are going to Cape Kennedy. And obviously I think this is where NASA do all of their stuff and 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 what have you yeah i've been there it's quite cool it was it was freezing cold but it was really good got sort of some rockets yeah so and then and then basically there's like these two con men as you as you do in hanna-barbera cartoon one's really tall and one's really short and they're talking a strong new york accent and they're trying to sell moon rocks and then the police officer tells them to hit the bricks and tells them where to go the adams family have a look Everybody like runs away from them because I think one of them is taking an alligator for a walk. Basically, they meet up with the con men. They give them some money. They're like, "Oh, we want, we want to kind of stay here." And the con men were like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll sort you out. We'll sort you out." And they basically take their money and they go into the trailer park. And the ranger gets spooked out by their octopus Ocho, which is very apt for an octopus. The trailer park is full, but the con man comes along and says he owns the trailer park. And the Adams family say, you know what? You can come over for dinner. They've been served dodgy mushrooms. And I like how Grandma was saying, you can pass these to your friends and watch them pass out amongst you. <laughs> and they sell the Adams family a fake spot for $5,000. But everyone's leaving because they're frightened of the Adams family. And Lurch is trying to find the con men to return their purchase. Because everybody leaves when they arrive, and Gomez is like, "I'll give you ten thousand to return the purchase." Then the con men want to do a fake trip to the moon, and they trick the Adams family, and they're presenting this plot on the moon, saying they can go on the trip, and they're charging five k ahead, and they lock them in the rocket, and they want to steal the Adams family car. Uncle Festa wants a helmet, so they get him a fishbowl, and the countdown's going wrong because the sidekick can't count. So they're trying to run off with the money. Pugsley's getting suspicious and Uncle Fester is investigating. And he 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 plays about with the uh, controls and the rocket actually launches, takes off. Then the rocket collides with the family trailer. They think they're on the moon and they think that the humans are moon creatures because everyone sees the Adams family and run away. And so they're like, oh, why are they running away from us? We're, we're, we're perfectly normal people. They see their trailer and Lurch gets them whilst running away. And they get on the rocket and they think they go back to Earth. And the bad guys are trying to get away. And the police are taking, are talking to uh, Morticia and Gomez. And they realize, oh, that people are the same everywhere. And then the episode I watched from the 1992 cartoons, which I, like I said before, I remember very much as a kid. And this episode was called It's Over. So Pugsley and Wednesday are playing with Gomez's trains and then he joins them in and they crash. And Uncle Fester has a go and he blows up the train. Morticia spots hair on Uncle Fester and he's horrified by it and he seems to be growing more and more hair. Gomez wants to cut it and he's trying to draw inspiration from the executioner uncle who was uh, an, yeah, like he was executioner. But obviously he's like, I don't want to be like him too much because he's going to take too much off the top. <laughs> nice little barber's joke there. And so 
there is so, so basically the, the the kind of premise of this show was that it was about this uh, typical American neighbor called Norman, and he hates the Adams family, and he's watching them on closed circuit television. And so he spies on them, and then if they're doing something wrong, then he'll just basically grass them up to the police. Yeah, he's watching them via Festicam. And Lurch tries a new thing, so he's basically got Adam, he's got Uncle Fester's head attached to some kind of like vehicle. He's driving, but the hair won't come off. And I like how in the background you've got the kids playing dangerous games. So you've got like, they, they kind of walk into the shot, and then you've got like Wednesday, she's basically drilling Pugsley while he's on the floor. And he's basically like just drilling into him, and it's just like in the background. You could easily miss it while you're thinking, oh, all this stuff is happening. And then when they're outside, you've got Wednesday covered in hay while a bull is basically eating all of the hay that's attached to her. And then there's another one where Pugsley was tied up near the lights. And it's just like almost sent to like this um, bed of like nails or whatever. And Cousin It comes along and he agrees to help, even if it means losing his government perks. And he decides to make a hair removal formula. And it appears that Cousin It gets perished by the formula. And the neighbours know what happens. And they want to get involved. And then you got, like I said, Pugsley now shooting targets at Wednesday. And Fester is mourning the loss of Cousin It. And the neighbour, Norman, he snitches on Fester to the police. And he gets arrested. The kids want to investigate and help Uncle Fester. And Thing is looking for Cousin It's scent. Uncle Fester is playing the Adams Family theme on the harmonica as he's arrested. Which I thought was uh, quite a, a nice little uh, breaking the fourth wall moment. Uncle Fester is enjoying jail, but he's uh, struggling to make friends. He's like self-detonating all the time. The kids and Thing are going to a cafe and they find Cousin It. But they walk into a trap and the Adams and Norman are going to visit Fester in jail. But Fester is having a good time and he's like, I want to thank you, Norman. The kids come to the jail with Cousin It and he never got dissolved because it was, it was it was crazy because like they were saying the minute like the, 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 the dissolution of the uh, formula happened, he just walks off because he had to go to a meeting. And Uncle Fester is released and he's sad about leaving jail, but obviously he's happy that he's favorite and best cousin it is alive norman gets in trouble with the police for lying and he gets locked up and uncle fester's hair is all gone now see i watched the first episode of the new adams family which was the halloween with the adams family and yeah i'll just run through this one because yeah the le- yeah this 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 version of the adams family was not particularly great they even like i said they even had another theme song what's the matter with you man yeah, you got to keep it iconic if you're doing it, right? Yeah, yeah you, 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 you're allowed to. You're allowed to. But you know what? There was um, a nice a cappella version of The Adams Family that served as the as the theme song, which I'm, I'm trying to find who sang it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was like um, an a cappella version of it, and I really liked it. Ah, so it was by uh, Straits Vocals. So I have no idea who those brothers are. I've never heard of them. Shout out to Straight Vocals. Y'all were great. And uh, 
yeah, they they did a, a an acapella version, which was the um, which served as the uh, the closing theme for the uh, the new Adam's Family. But yeah, let's let let me just run through this uh, Halloween episode. It's Halloween, and Adam's family are excited. They're, they 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 it's like their Christmas for them. And Gomez gets Morticia a present, which was handcuffs. And Gomez is slicing up a pumpkin and wiping the smile off its face. And Uncle Festa is bobbing for grenades. The kids are ready to go trick-or-treating. And they're going as critics. Two guys in masks are hiding after running away from the cops. And they end up in the Adams family home. And they decide to go inside. They get spooked at by Grandmama and Uncle Festa. And the Adams family open the bag full of money and they give them even more money. Then the robbers are like, oh, this is a great opportunity. We're going we're gonna to make a killing here. And they want to take more money. So he pulls out a gun and he's like, right, this is a stick up. And then Uncle Festa pulls out a bigger gun. And the Adams family are not taking it serious. They're like, oh, you, 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 you want us to be all tied up? And then they all play along. Meanwhile, the kids are not impressed with the Halloween costumes and the, the parents want a, a trick. And so the kids are like, fine, we'll go inside. Then you have the Adams family all tied up and tell them where the valuables are. They get caught up with all of the traps. The kids mess up the parents because they're like, oh, you want a trick? We're going to give you a trick. And then they punish a kid for stealing candy by blowing him up. And so the two robbers are furious about what they find in the safe. So they look in the cookie jar for the money and they take all the money that's in there. The Adams family untie themselves and look for the two men. Dad, and obviously the it's like a father and son duo. And so they want and, and obviously the dad is like, Don't worry, son, let's split up and I'm gonna take the money and you can go. And obviously he's like, Do you have like the important three words you wanna say to me? And he's like, Yes, you weren't adopted. And so the young the, the younger guy the son, he gets freaked out by a thing. Dad is getting taken away somewhere. They bump into one another and they're both hiding. Grandma's looking for them and finds them and they run away. The kids get brought back by the police after causing troubles in the neighborhood. And the two robbers turn themselves in to the police. The kids are not happy about their candy haul and they're having Halloween dinner like as if it were Christmas. Right, take it away with your episode and see if it's any better. Right, so this one, um, I like the sentiment behind it, but uh, I, I'm a bit, I, f I feel a bit strange when they change actors and things, so a bit weird. So anyway, so this one was called Things Romance. Lady Potentia's coming around. Uncle Fester gets shot out of a cannon because he wants to get away, but it's the wrong way. He gets shot into the garden and it's like a pinball machine. Um, anyway, so this woman's very rude. She's kind of a freeloader. The box contains the handmaiden, which like, you know, like a cigar box, like um, Things box. Uh, and it's called Lady Fingers. And uh, Lady Potentia and Wednesday have a little kind of to and fro argument kind of thing. Uncle Fester takes her on a tour of the house. This leaves Thing and Lady Fingers alone together. And then they're basically holding hands. They love each other straight away. In the morning, Lady Potentia wants breakfast and keeps ringing the bell. Only Thing is enjoying the visit. Everyone else is hating her. Uh, they're all hiding from Lady Potentia in the lift. She finds them. Now they're all stuck in a lift together. In the dungeon, Lady Potentia gets, um, gets in the electric chair and Grandmama turns it on. She's annoyed and gets ready to leave. And she takes Ladyfingers with her. Thing chases her and he's really sad. Everyone is happy that she's left and has a party. Morticia sees Thing is sad, so they have, a, have to invite Potentia back. 
She asked him to grovel. Uh, she doesn't bring Ladyfingers now because Ladyfingers run off and Lady pretends she got robbed and she thinks things stole her jewels, but it's not. It's her new hand thing. She's really... Um, so in the the thing that got stolen was the bank statement. She's really rich. She's worth like 150 million. And she says she's only rich because she was a freeloader. And Uncle Fester faxes it to all the relatives so that she can't freeload off them. Thing is thinking of Ladyfingers. Then he sees her in the cemetery and then they get engaged. Ends up quite nice thing i guess yeah basic episode it's kind of like that humor do you know like uh mousetrap like the film and stuff like that is that kind of and casper to a degree as well i guess that kind of humor i mean it was it was always going to be difficult trying to do a show and then obviously have it be compared with the 1964 version which is a all-time classic so uh yeah, that was the uh, the Adams family, and honestly, yeah, this was this was super. Let's uh, let's go into the uh, the head to head now. Yeah, so like I said, the monsters ca- the monsters came out in September 1964, so I don't have to do the world events and and and, and what have you. I could just jump right into it. So this was a American sitcom depicting the home life of a family of benign monsters. It was produced by the creators of Leave it to Beaver. The series was a satire of American suburban life, as well as both traditional and monster movies and the wholesome family fare of the era. It actually achieved higher Nielsen ratings than the similarly macabre-themed The Addams Family, which aired concurrently on ABC. They are a Transylvanian American family living at 1313 Mockingbird Lane in the fictional city of Mockingbird Heights. The series' running gag is that the decidedly odd-looking family with strange taste considers itself to be an average American family. Herman is the family's sole wage earner, though Lily and Grandpa make short-lived attempts to earn money from time to time. While Herman is the head of the household, Lily also makes many decisions and according to episode 44 which was happy 100th anniversary in which lily and herman tried to surprise each other for their anniversary they were married in 1865 and using a family of mostly supernatural seeming creatures the show satirized the typical family sitcom formula of the era the well-meaning father the nurturing mother the eccentric live-in relative the naive teenager and the precocious child. Members of the Munster family even mentioned by name several sitcoms which the monsters themselves watch. Al Lewis in an interview with Daily Variety explained, we can do a lot of satirical pointed things on society that you couldn't do on an ordinary show. And Lewis also said, and I quote, philosophically, the format is that in spite of the way people look at you physically, Underneath, there is a heart of gold. The monster reflected changes in social attitudes during the civil rights era. And in the 2020 speech, Herman makes to Eddie in the 1965 episode, Eddie's nickname went viral. And yeah, the lesson I want you to learn is that it doesn't matter what you look like, whether you are tall or short or fat or thin or ugly or handsome, like your father, you can be black or yellow or white. It doesn't matter. What matters is the size of your heart and the strength of your character. It was cancelled after ratings dropped to a series low due to competition from ABC's Batman. Butch Patrick said, I think Batman was to blame. 
Batman just came along and took our ratings away. But the monsters found a large audience in syndication. This popularity warranted a spin-off series as well as several films, including one with a theatrical release and several more recent attempts to reboot it. The instrumental theme song titled The Monsters Theme was composed by composer and arranger Jack Marshall, described by writer John Burlingame as Bernard Herman meets Dwayne Eddy Sound. The theme was nominated for a Grammy Award in 1965. The song's lyrics, which were written by co-producer Bob Mosher, were never aired on CBS. And a sample of the theme's guitar riff was used in the song Uma Thurman by Fallout Boy. I do like Fallout Boy. I'm uh, I'm more panic at a disco. They, they were they they I preferred them to Fallout Boy. I liked all the cheesy American stuff. I like Blink One Eight Two. I like Bone for Soup. Uh, Fallout Boy. What panic? I didn't listen to much Panic at Disco. I listened to like All American Rejects. All those all those little bands you mentioned. Panic at the Disco has them all beat. Yeah, yeah, I, I do I do like a bit of Fallout Boy, I'm not gonna lie. I I yeah, Fallout Boy are great. And in nineteen eighty three, Butch Patrick recorded the novelty song Whatever Happened to Eddie, which was set to the theme song of the Monsters. The theme also served as inspiration for the song Agatha All Along from the Disney miniseries WandaVision. And if by now you have not seen WandaVision, then I definitely would suggest you go and watch this. WandaVision was fantastic. And the series starred Fred Gwynn as Frankenstein's monster and head of the household Herman Munster. Yvonne DiCarlo played Lily, his wife. Al Lewis was Lily's father, grandpapa, the somewhat over-the-hill vampire Count Dracula who longs for the good old days in Transylvania. Beverly Owen played the teenage niece Marilyn, who was attractive by conventional standards, but the ugly duckling of the family, and Butch Patrick as their werewolfish son, Eddie. So, the monsters. So here's one I did watch, watch when I was a kid, and here's one I did love when I was a kid, and here's one I loved again. This is almost the perfect sitcom for me. Like this is, it, it kind of brought back so many memories of like when you know when I was a kid watching it with my dad and stuff like that. So I yeah I absolutely loved this. I thought this was really funny. I thought it was really good. Um, I think it didn't lose any of the charm. I think it executed it so well. It wasn't like it wasn't so weird. It was annoying or anything like that. I just yeah I think it's got it right. And uh, do you know what? I think this was better than the Adams Family. I know we're not. Well, I know we're not fighting with them today, but I, I I enjoyed this one more. I think. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe yeah. Maybe maybe we should because more people watched the monsters than the Adams family. So. Yeah, yeah. That that is a very interesting, very interesting take. So. Yeah, I mean, with 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 the monsters. Yeah. Again, I I I've heard of it. I know it. I know the monsters. I I even know the theme song. I never really watched this as as a kid or or at all but yeah i i again i i really like this man this was really really good that i enjoyed all the episodes i watched it was silly it was daft it was all of those things but honestly yeah i i really really liked it the characters were great again i liked the whole i am perfectly normal i don't know about you yeah exactly. me, i am i am i am completely normal 
But I, I like the fact as well that they were like really kind of like they had they had really good manners, like really good manners. So like if someone was rude to them, they didn't like it, you know. And it's I I don't know. Is there something about that I really I, I really like? Because you would have thought like mo- monsters, 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 whatever, you know, being quite grotesque, looking grotesque, acting grotesque, you know, you know, yeah. th- you know what I'm trying to say. But anyway, it's kind of like the juxtaposition between the you know family and monster thing. I, I yeah, I thought so like was... how they're like, oh, make sure you don't call them monsters now because they're called the monsters. Exactly. So I thought it was, I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed it more probably knowing I was revisiting it. Yesterday's Capers does have a sting in its tail every now and then, but this definitely wasn't one of those times. No, and I don't think it ever will be with, you know, maybe maybe we should just do shows from, from, let's say like the 50s till about the 80s and just bypass the night, the 2000s and, and, and beyond. Honestly, because it's like these shows are not you. There, there's never going to be a bad show that came out in this in this in this era. It's just not. I don't know what it is. I don't know if 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 it, standards have dropped dramatically. I see TV today. I see stuff today. And I don't know. Maybe I'm sounding like an old guy, but I I I look at it and it's like yeah, y'all y'all ain't got nothing for me man once in a while i might spot something like a one division and think oh okay maybe i can vibe with this one but like with with yeah with i don't make them like this no more they don't make them like this no more and uh right let's uh let's get into episodes yeah so i watched series one episode one called monster masquerade starts off tom this guy called Tom is is kissing Marilyn, who you said before, who's kind of like the conventionally normal person. And she's someone's watching, and she wants him to go go in and meet the folks. But he says, "Why don't you tell him to come to the party next, whenever it was?" So Marilyn tells Herman, and they all agree to go to the party. Tom speaks to his parents, and his parents agree to let them come. Tom's parents are wary wary of the monsters, and likewise, uh, the monsters are wary of Tom's parents. So. Grandpa wants to come, and he's having a strop because he's not allowed to come. Uh, the night of the party, Eddie's having Mrs. Morton to babysit. Herman's going to going as King Arthur in a, like a full suit of armor. Uh, Lily's going as Bo Peep. Uh, Tom comes in, meets the auntie, meet, meets Auntie Lily and Herman. Herman is hurrying Grandpa, but he's trying to find a um, costume. But he's he's taking a potion for it. He ends up going as Admiral Nelson, I think. Tom's parents have dressed up. As the monsters, basically. Was it not Napoleon? Napoleon, that's probably yeah. Because I was wondering why he had two eyes. So Grandpa ends up going as as yeah, as I said, as um Napoleon. Monsters arrive at party. Back at home, the babysitter gets roared at by a cat. Eddie calls the babysitter and asks permission to skip his bath. Back at the party, Grandpa has to dance with Mrs. Daly. Um, she, he freaks her out after talking about his wives, 167 of them. Homer goes to say hello to Mr. Daly, who's, who's, he's annoyed because the, the host didn't come to say hello to him. And then he insults her dad and now they think they're rude. So the babysitter handling all the freaky stuff. So baby, the babysitter's smashing it here. You don't expect this to happen, but the babysitter's like getting on with it. She goes to give Eddie milk back at the party prize for the most original costume goes to King Arthur. Then he takes his mask off and they're like, oh, you're wearing a mask within a mask mask and lily is annoyed because and says they're leaving because they insulted herman back at home the babysitter managed it someone's at the front porch it's tom and he's kind of pushing marilyn to come in and he's like oh your aunt and uncle aren't here so 
you know, let's go kind of goes in uninvited. Then he sees Herman and Lily and then he runs off scared. And then Marilyn is glad that she scared another one away. And the next episode I watched is called Bats of a Feather. So uh, Bats of a Feather. Lily and Herman are discussing which pet Eddie should take to school. Lily thinks a cat thinks a cat. Herman thinks he should take the dragon. Uh, Grandpa thinks he should take the bat eagle. Spot is hiding under the stairs. Herman tries to coax him out, but Spot, yeah, Spot the dragon is not coming out. Grandpa thinks Spot won't behave. Spot went to fly south with the ducks and then came back with holes in his wings because he got shot by <laughs> by the hunters. Um, eagle flies away. Then Eddie thinks all the kids will make fun because he doesn't have a pet. Grandpa says, take me, and he turns himself into a bat. Then Eddie takes Grandpa to school, and then when he comes home, he brings a squirrel, and he swapped Grandpa for a bat for a while. Then the boy that he swapped the bat for, his dad works in a rocket lab in uh, DC, so uh, he's taken the bat to there to uh, do some tests in space. Grandpa is now in DC. Family gets on a plane to DC, and then Grandpa gets chatted up by a bat another bat they're going to take up into space they all pull up to the base the soldiers think he's an experiment and uh, herman is an experiment and take him inside the researchers get scared and jump out the window herman takes a female bat instead of grandpa then grandpa crashes in the lab and then flies out at home grandpa comes back eagle flies back and goes in with the female bat eddie says what are you talking about and then grandpa says you're going to have to have the bats and the bees talk with eddie Cool. So I watched an episode called Locale Monster and it starts off with it showing like Herman basically crashing a Thanksgiving dinner. Then it's like it all started like this. So Her- Herman's trying to fit into his army clobber because he's going to a reunion. Lily's suggesting that he's put on a little weight because he can't fit into his outfit. A feeling that I know only too well. And he doesn't want Herman... And obviously Lily's like, oh, I don't want you to leave for the night because you haven't left for a long, long time. Lily says that Herman can go as long as he has a physical examination and he's on a suitable diet. Herman goes to see the doctor. The doctor can't really see without his glasses. And the doctor's trying to do examination and things like that, but obviously he can't see much. Herman breaks the weighing scales and his temperature is going up and down. Herman has no pulse because obviously he's... I don't think he's humans made of something. And Doctor finally gets his glasses. He gets freaked out by Herman. And the doctor's basically saying that Herman has to lose a hundred pounds or else he's going to die. And he has to live on vitamins and water or vitamins and water. And Herman's sneaking around at night trying to get food. But Grandpa catches him in the act and then Herman finds his determination again. Thanksgiving is coming. And Grandpa's talking about all of the food on offer. And so he's like, you're going to have turkey and stuffing and cranberries and I don't know, whatever, whatever y'all have on Thanksgiving. I don't really know. Herman faints and the doctors come to check up on him. Doctors think that Herman is not alive anymore. So he's just like, yep, I'm going to call it. And then he wakes up and it freaks the doctor out again. Grandpa's tying Herman up so he can't give in to temptation. The family say, you know what, we're going to eat out for Thanksgiving. And Herman breaks free and he runs out. He crashes a family's Thanksgiving dinner and he's basically eating all the food there. And Herman manages to fit into his old army gear. But it turns out that he's wearing a woman's course to make it all fit. The last episode I watched was If a Martian Answers, Hang Up. 
And so Herman's basically recording himself singing My Mother's Eyes. And he's playing around with this radio that he has. And he wants to communicate with people around the world. Everyone's telling him to give it a rest because it doesn't work. But Herman wants to persist with it. And he gets a call from someone in Milan, Italy. And they're basically like, yeah, stop singing. We don't like your singing. And Eddie is hanging out with friends Roger and Walt. And they've got walkie-talkies. Eddie gets bored and he goes home. And they continue playing with the walkie-talkies. And Herman's basically, his whole setup picks up the walkie-talkies. Herman thinks that it's coming from Mars and it's a spaceship. He's trying to make contact with the walkie-talkies. And the kids are like, oh my god, we can hear something, we can hear something. And then one of the kids is like, yeah, I think it's getting dark. We've got to go home for supper. Obviously, the kids are like, we'll be back tomorrow. And then obviously, Herman's excited about it. Herman's eagerly awaiting for the communication from the walkie-talkies. The kids are having fun. And he calls Herman and he responds. And Grandpa now thinks it's true. And Roger and Walt just basically think it's another kid on another line because obviously it's a toy. Grandpa has a direction finder to try and look for the spaceship and they get excited about finding it. And Herman and Grandpa are still looking for it. They find they think they find something in the sewers, but Herman gets splashed. The kids are talking back on the radio. Herman and Grandpa spot the kids and they want to say hello, but the kids run away. And Herman's trying to take pictures for evidence. And Grandpa is trying to talk to the police about potential Martians and aliens. The kids are telling their dad about it, and the dad is furious. And obviously, dad's like, if you don't stop this walkie-talkie thing, I'm going to basically find you and uh, basically kick your butt. And Herman thinks it's the end of the world. But Grandpa tells Herman that he's been playing with a kid's toy all along because he sees a sign that says Made in Japan. And Herman goes back on the radio and they tell him to get off. And then he's getting a radio call from space, but Herman ignores it. And then obviously you've got the alien going, oh, these humans are so rude. And yeah, that was the monsters. Yeah, it didn't disappoint, I'll be honest. Did not disappoint. No, 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 it didn't. And... Yeah, this was, again, really, really good, really wholesome, and yeah, I, I, man, I totally enjoyed it, man, really, really did. Last but not least, My Parents Are Aliens. So uh, this show came out in November 1999, and some of the things happening in the world. The Australians defeat a referendum proposing the replacement of the Queen and the Governor-General with a President to make Australia a Republic. John Carpenter becomes the first millionaire on any quiz show, thanks to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Wayne Gretzky is inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. He's number 99, permanently retired by the NHL. Sleepy Hollow was in the cinemas. And Lift Me Up by Jerry Halliwell was number one in the charts. I actually watched a video of this. When I went down the YouTube rabbit hole, it was quite nice. It was Jerry Halliwell and an alien and... It's got an alien in it. That's quite appropriate for our next show, I guess. Of course. And funnily enough, number two in the charts was Emma Bunton. Bit of a Spice Girls podium finish there. There you go. I'll, I'll, I'll have that one Formula One reference. But uh, no, yes, it was um, them two who were number one and two in the, um, in the charts. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not an expert or anything, but it, it, it did appear that Jerry Halliwell did have something of a successful solo run when she um, 
when she left the group. So um, good for her. Shout out to uh, Jerry Halliwell. So uh, big ups to you and this song with the uh, with the little alien. My parents are aliens. So this was a British children's TV show that was produced by Yorkshire Television and aired on ITV. The show primarily follows the lives of three orphan children, Mel, Josh and Lucy, and their new foster parents, Brian and Sophie. The children soon discover that the Johnsons are in fact aliens from the planet Valance, who crash landed on Earth when Brian tampered with the controls of their spaceship. As shown by the opening credits, the house they live in is actually a morphed form of their spaceship. They also have the ability to morph into other people. Brian and Sophie start out with a very limited and muddled knowledge of life on Earth, and the children must do their best to help them understand. No one outside of the family must ever learn that they're aliens or they will be taken away for scientific testing, and the Barkers will lose another set of parents. The humour in the programme is considered surreal and sometimes gently subversive. Whilst being a children's show, it occasionally makes reference to rather mature matters, highbrow culture and complex scientific thinking. And because of this, it has gained a considerable following of older viewers outside of its intended age range. A laugh track was added from Series 4 onwards, although there were complaints that it spoiled the feel of the show. The last episode of Series 7, thanks for all of the Earthworm Custard, was the final one to feature the regular cast and concluded ongoing plots from the first seven series. Despite the conclusive nature of the final episode of Series 7, the show returned for an eighth series, and the new plot acted as a clean slate for the show, with Brian and Sophie crashing their ship again and taking in a new family of foster children after having their memories of the past seven years erased by Guido, the new avatar of the Galactic Guidebook. The new family, the Bennets, were very similar in personalities to the Barkers and CJ and Harry. However, the new status quo was not to last long, as it was announced by ITV that they was to close its in-house children's production unit, bringing the show to a sudden end following Series 8. The show won a couple of awards, so it won the 2001 Banff Television Festival for Best Children's Program, and it won the Royal Television Society Awards for Best Children's Drama in 2001. And like I said, you know, the main characters of the kind of original series, so there was Brian Johnson, who was a Voloshian alien and the cause of the Johnson's crash landing on Earth. Often childlike, he follows crazies and fads and gets bored easily and is easily sucked into Josh's scans. He has little or no concept of morality, often creating difficult situations for the characters and only rectifying them because he is told to. Sophie Johnson is a Voloshian alien and Brian's wife. She has slightly more common sense than Brian, but is still quite clueless and easily led after enough persuasion. Melanie, Mel Barker, or Mel, yeah, Mel, she's a teenager and she has a sarcastic personality, the oldest of the Barker children. She has a protective and motherly nature towards her younger siblings since the death of their parents. Josh is devious and scheming, constantly inventing new and interesting scams to make money and roping Brian into his latest schemes. Lucy is the youngest and most intelligent Barker. CJ, who's a small, quiet boy who was rescued from being run over by Super Brian, aka Brian wearing a cape. So, my parents are aliens. <laughs> <laughs>
So this is one that I, I watched as well when I was younger. And it's one of those things that you thought it'd be like quite rubbish. Cheesy acting kind of thing. But it's not. It's actually a really cool TV show. I liked it then and I think I liked it now. It wasn't, it definitely wasn't a difficult watch. Yeah, so basically, yeah, that, I mean, I, as I kind of alluded to at the beginning, I know this show, it's basically a, a CITV staple show. This is like um, the, 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 the cornerstone of, 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 of CITV and one of their flagship, that's the word, flagship. It's a flagship show of like British television for a, a certain channel on relatively new eyes. I liked this a lot. I really did. I enjoyed watching it. Like I said, it wasn't a difficult watch. It was very wacky. It was very goofy. But it was the right level of goofy, Yeah, and it, wacky. it also had really nice sentiments in it as well. So it wasn't like, it wasn't all wacky and goofy. It had like the bit where the fact that they had to deal with the kids were orphans, you know. And, and if it wasn't for the, you know, for the parents, then... They they wouldn't be there, you know. They would be with another family, possibly split up and stuff like this. So it's like that's quite deep stuff going on, as well as you know the wackiness that was. And like I said, you know, I I I I can allow for a certain level of of wackiness and and goofiness, and this and this and this particular show was like it was just about the right level of it. Yeah, and. Mm, yeah, it was one of those things where I used to see it on the TV guide, but I think he's coming at like 4.30, and that was quite a, a stacked time on CBBC, regardless of, of the day at that time. And like I said, by 99, I was firmly, yeah, I hitched my uh, my wagon with uh, CITV at that point. But, I mean, with, with CBBC at that point, and... Only because, yeah, like I always, I always say this: the ITV was 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 for kids, man, and CBBC was for older kids. Yeah, see, it, CBBC was definitely one of the things. They had like News Round, uh, Blue Peter, you know, things like that were like a bit more serious to watch than cartoons and. Yeah, and even like like you know Grange Hill and and Biker Grove, there wasn't really anything like that. I think only Children's Ward was like the only. The only like really serious program that I can remember that CITV did was yeah was, was Children's Ward, but I can't I can't really remember another program where you thought, oh this is quite press gang, but again that was like sort of like nineties like late eighties early nineties same with Children's Ward it was like late eighties early nineties and those were probably like the two like really serious shows that I remember that they um. They did, but no, my, my parents are aliens was, was 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 in keeping with the wacky shows of the time. So like Burner's Watch was another one that they did. And yeah, Burner's Watch was another was another cracking show that we uh that we did. But uh yeah, let's let's go into episodes. So um pilot was called Nobody's Perfect. He gets asked to look after this like kind of Tamagotchi thing. Did you have a Tamagotchi toy as a kid? Everyone had Tamagotchis. Yes. Everyone had Tamagotchis. Whether it was an actual Tamagotchi or like a Gotchi Tammy from like a slightly more off-brand shop. But... <laughs> no, there was, yeah, there was one that we, I think we had two in the house. And it was like one of those things where you have to like genuinely look after it or it will die. I had this one, right? And it was a cat one. And I'm not, one too. I'm not joking. 
this thing, you fed it, you looked after it, right? It would die by the time you woke up in the morning, right? And if you didn't look after it and you just dropped it somewhere and left it, it would be alive when you found it. It was super weird. I remember finding this thing. We used to have this like little kind of green thing outside our house. We used to play football on there. I remember losing it, finding it on there like literally like three, four days later and it being alive. And I was like, well, I can't even keep you alive overnight when I feed you. So that's it. Yeah, it's like, for example, like, I would like wake up in the morning. I would feed it. I would clean up its muck because there was a thing that you had to like clean up its... Uh, and discipline food. it. Do you remember? You have to give it a smack. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also because it, 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 it would be like a notification on the phone. So it will say like, it'll have like the poo emoji and it'll have like the feeding emoji. So it means you have to clean up its muck and you've got to feed it. So in the morning I'd wake up, I would do all of that. So yeah, it's just making sure that we would always feed it, we would always clean it. Oh, we'd be like, oh, did you feed a Tamagotchi? Ah! And then it'd be like the doctor sign, and you'd have to try and like feed it, and you got to try and keep it alive. And so dad sneezes, and he don't know what he don't know what sneeze is for a short, but he keeps like morphing accidentally. Uh, so Melanie is late for school. She gets told off by the teacher, and she's got a bit of attitude about it. At lunchtime, Josh and mates are wondering why they don't get invited to parties, and mates say you have to invite the party guy to the party so that he gets the invite back. Uh, Mel's teacher is coming around to the house tomorrow. Josh was going to have a party. Mel's worried that they were going to, that they could go back into care if Mr. What's his name ain't happy with their behavior. They have to figure out what Brian is allergic to so that he stops morphing in front of the teacher so that they don't realize they're aliens. Sophie's talking to the little sister and she wants Mel to be softer. I think Mel's talking to the little sister, not, not Sophie. Uh, it was uh, um, so it was their mum's birthday. She's dead, and she has a sit down with Lucy and says she tells the stories about her mum. Is this Lucy or Izzy? Lucy. Lucy, yeah. So Brian doing an allergy test uh, with Lucy and Josh. Melanie is giving Sophie a test. Josh gets electrocuted and now he's sneezing backwards. Mr. Coleman from school comes. Sophie comes in and she's got verbal diarrhea because she's trying not to give the game away. Brian comes down and he's sneezing behind Mr. Coleman's back. And every time he does it, it's kind of morphing. Mr. Coleman's about to leave, but uh, then Brian sneezes in front of him and he kind of has his like, hands growing out of his ears. Mr. Coleman's coming tomorrow and that's when Josh's party's meant to be. Mel says they should have a party. And at the party, everyone's dressed like aliens. Mr. Coleman comes in and sees everyone's dressed like aliens. So little, and it's, they, this is where they find out this little Tamagotchi thing that Brian's allergic to. Uh, next episode I watched was Series 2, Episode 3. So Mel is annoyed. Josh kept her up all night. Josh is going to have a party again. The party, party, party. Uh, so five uh, five pounds ahead. Hang on, yeah. they. I, I like the party. They were playing Planet Earth by Duran Duran, which I thought was very ironic. Because I was in the first aliens. episode. Yeah. Because there were aliens and they were dropped into Earth and they were basically playing this song, which was, yeah, Planet Earth by Duran Duran. Who I, missed, a... I, I could totally miss that. Great band, great song. Yeah, agreed. Um, so Josh is going to have a party, five pounds ahead. Josh is talking to Sophie and he's trying to convince her to go out and the rest of the family. So Josh tells Brian that he's going to stay behind to save the human race. Mel's not coming either. Josh goes to talk to Mel. Sophie comes and Mel ends up kicking them both out. She's in a tent in the back garden at this point. So Sophie cancels the holiday because she wants everyone else, everyone she cares about to be there. Then the Scottish bloke comes and talks to Mel and he talks her down. Lucy ends up going to the party. He says, why are you being selfish, Mel? She says, you have to think about others as well as, as well as yourself. Then she wants some me time. Sophie comes to see Mel and she says she'll leave her in the tent even though it's thundering. And Mel comes in because it is thundering and raining. 
and now she decides to go on holiday. Now Sophie's, they can't go on holiday because Sophie, Sophie's more magnetic because she's so happy. And then no one goes on holiday. The bully comes to Josh's party, but they're not happy with him because he's there's no party without the parents. Um, and that's the end of my two episodes. Cool. So I went on to, I believe it was series four, and this was called O'Brien. So it starts off with uh, CJ, and he's really happy about getting money from the Tooth Fairy. Everyone is saying that Lucy can't draw because she wants to enter a art competition. And you got Brian and Sophie who are trying to act all young and hip. And Melanie's like, you know what? I don't want you guys going outside at all. And she's like, why don't you just watch comedy shows? And if you want entertainment, just watch that. Then Brian is spending all of his time watching comedy shows. And Sophie is saying that you should take inspiration from the sitcoms if you want to get laughs and, and make this into like a positive place. Then he's thinking, you know what? I'm going to act like a sitcom. I'm going to turn this whole ship into a sitcom place. So he's got like laugh tracks everywhere. He's got like cheers and whoops and boos. And I like how you got the the teacher coming in from school because they want to see Josh. And he's like, the teacher's getting boos. And every time Josh walks into the room, he's getting cheers. And then Josh is like, oh, I can get used to this. He's walking in the room. And Melanie's like, please stop all the sitcom stuff. But obviously he's like, you know what, I'm going to carry on. And obviously Melanie's like, look, I want you to basically stop this, the, this whole sitcom thing. And then even Sophie's like, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Brian is talking to a guy called Trent who likes Melanie. And, she's tell and, and Brian is telling Trent that Melanie has a boyfriend. And Trent is like, oh, okay, I think I'm going to go. And Sophie's painting makes a, an impression on Josh and saying that he should be the one to... And Josh is saying that Sophie should enter the competition. And Brian is swapping out the pictures as, and he's dressing up as like robber outfits. And obviously he's like, ha 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 ha, I'm going to play a joke on everybody. And Sophie's wearing a fairy costume and catches him in the act. Then Trent is coming to see Melody and they go off together. Brian is like finding a way to to mess up. And so he cuts the brakes in Melanie's moped and Lucy gets hurt and has to be taken to hospital. Josh is Josh then reveals the picture and it's basically a picture of their teacher and it's a, an inappropriate picture and Brian is the one who did it. Josh is saying that they should get revenge and they're pretending to be alien authority and then obviously Brian's like stop it stop it stop it. And it turns out that Lucy wins the art competition and she is good at drawing after all. Then I watched the last ever episode, which was called Winter Blunderland. And so, yeah, I made a note that it was completely new kids. Everything is brand new. And Brian and Sophie are getting ready for Christmas. I believe it's Eddie because I, I didn't even know these kids' names. So I was just like kid one, kid two, kid three, kid four. But I'm sure it was Eddie, and he's not sure as to what to give Brian and Sophie for Christmas. And Jack, or Jackie, Jacqueline hates Christmas because it was bad last year, and I think their parents had passed away that year. And Becky, however, wants to celebrate Christmas still. Brian and Sophie get a huge Christmas tree, and Jack, Jacqueline is like, I don't think you know the true meaning of Christmas, so I don't even know why you're celebrating. And they basically get someone in called Jesus and they're singing happy birthday to him. And they're thinking, oh, 
this person is it the baby Jesus and it's like uh no it's basically Jesus Ramirez Rodriguez from the Tex-Mex yeah this is like they just grabbed him and then they don't have any they don't have any presents because the uh, the Jesus fella takes it all then uh Sophie's not happy because she's like I want to give the kids a, a good Christmas and Brian has an electric shock and it overloads the ship's power supply and it's going into backup mode. The 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 the, the ship's gonna explode if nothing is done about it. Jackie is telling her friend what Christmas means. And so you've got um Dan and Becky and they're trying to figure out how to prevent the detonation. Eddie goes to the school and he's basically hiding out. And he's trying to take the parent he's trying to take the gift he had for Brian and Sophie that was confiscated. He bumps into the teacher and he's spending Christmas alone. And obviously Eddie asks the teacher to spend Christmas with him and his family. But the teacher's like, no, thank you. And he, and he says, look, I'll walk you home. Then Jackie's friend is basically telling her to go spend Christmas with your family. Dan and Becky are trying to save the day and says that he's proud that Becky is his sister. Teacher brings Eddie home and Eddie gives him sweets. And they're looking for the emergency cutoff switch for the reactor core. And Dan manages to switch it off just in time. Eddie gives Brian and Sophie a picture of the family. And they all have a massive snow fight. And that's how that ended. I actually thought it was a a pretty nice episode and a and a nice way to uh bring the show to an end, which it which had it had a pretty long run. Seven years, so That's pretty good, man. Kinda sucks that we have to choose between my parents and a- are aliens and the monsters, but yeah, I mean, because for me, the monsters is always coming out on top because of the nostalgia factor. But yeah, both really good shows to be honest. I enjoyed them both back then and now. I'm quite impressed with how this this week didn't disappoint, even though it had every possibility to. When you revisit shows like that, uh, yeah, but then, like I said, the the record speaks for itself with 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 shows that come out in this particular era because they're not bad and we've and we've yet to do a bad show from these eras everything that we have done that's basically black and white has been really good yeah i i i, I will also pick the monsters for a similar sentiment that obviously it's from that part part that era and shows in that time were not bad at all and yeah and it kind of keeps up with that record and and on that note we will bring that episode to an end we have warm welcome to listeners from malaysia got some listeners there in that part of the world malaysia is my favorite country in the whole world i've ever been to ever it's honestly it's amazing people are amazing place was amazing i would i would go back to malaysia in a heartbeat i i I would like to go to malaysia and thailand and, and 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 all of those um countries malaysia and indonesia are the two two countries i've been to you know in that kind of part of the world and i would recommend them both they honestly the mo- the people are beautiful the, the the place is beautiful everything i would go there and we also have listeners from austria as well so uh hello to uh austrian listeners 
Do you know what? I was, I was watching the, the Grand Prix in Austria and they did like the B-roll of Austria. It was absolutely stunning. And then the next Grand Prix. Yeah, you got or, all them that little fields. and Yeah, and then, but then you got like a couple of Grand Prix later, we've got a British Grand Prix and it's like, what B-roll are you going to do here? Like the, the M1 slough. You know, you know, it's not, it's not, the, it's just, it just does not look the same. You have all these like little country fields and meadows and. Yeah. It's... Yeah. And, 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 and obviously Ultravox with their song Vienna. That's a great, that's a cracking song that is by Ultravox. Ooh. 80 synth, synth pop, undefeated. And we also have listeners from Egypt. Oh, finally. Yeah, so this is, this is your, this is your. Yes. Realm. It's finally, I was, uh, the one country I wanted people to listen to my podcast is my country, Egypt. It's, if, if, if you know me, then you know that Egypt is a country that has a very, 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 very special place in my heart. I lived there. I spent probably the best year of my life out there in 2008, 2009. Met some of the most incredible people friends who i'm still friends with to this day yeah what what a country man what a country i miss it every day it's a country that i would love to go back and see and i I can imagine going to the places and and still thinking oh my god it's, it's 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 i wonder if it's the same if it's not the same yeah man alexandria that was my home kafir abdu that is like my uh my hood when i was in uh when I was in uh, Alex, as we uh, called it, Alexandria, Alex. I'd love uh, to go to Egypt, but I have to admit, I'm quite scared of going. I've heard some good stories. I've heard some bad stories there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The horror stories, That's, uh, I guess that's probably a story for another day. So uh, on that bombshell, we'll bring this episode to an end. Yesterday's Capers is available wherever you get your podcast from. It is available in all of those countries that I just mentioned and many, many more. If you turn on your notifications, you'll get brand new episodes all the time. And they should be out every Friday or Saturday. And yeah, you can find us on the socials. On Instagram, it's Yesterday's Capers 1. On Twitter, it's Yesterday Capers. YouTube.com forward slash Yesterday's Capers. Facebook.com forward slash Yesterday's Capers. You can find me on the socials on Instagram. It's Abdullah Merlim, all one word. Abdullah underscore Merlim on Twitter. And join us next time for another episode of Yesterday's Capers. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They're all together ooky, the Adams family. The house is a museum. When people come to see them, they really are a scream. The Adams family. They're neat.